Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 24 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen. I'm the director of Sem Positive, and I'm passionate about bringing the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with Robert Pekin and Emma Kate Rose, co-founders at the Food Connect Foundation. Emma Kate's early career in criminology took her into the field of crime prevention through environmental design and community development. This is where she realized the potential of creating positive solutions through a preventative and strengths-based approach. In 2006, Emma Kate started Brisbane's first professional car share enterprise, and after her third child, sold the business to focus on family and grassroots activism in the areas of politics, the transition town movement, and local economic development. She joined Food Connect in 2011, coordinating a significant internal restructure. And in May 2013, Emma Kate became a fellow of the Australian School of Social Entrepreneurs. She's passionate about engaging with community to bring greater awareness to the issue of food sovereignty and is currently working to create a local food hub for multiple ethical enterprises alongside Food Connect. She loves the city cowboy Rob, who helps her with a kid wrangling. Like thousands of small and medium-scale dairy farmers, Robert Pekin was a casualty of the deregulation of the Australian dairy industry during the 1990s. In what was a deeply traumatic period, Robert, like so many other dairy farmers, lost the farm that had been in his family for generations. His path to redemption and healing led him to the discovery and practice of community-supported agriculture, or CSA. And in 2004, he co-founded Food Connect Brisbane, a dynamic multi-farmer hybrid CSA. FoodConnect Brisbane has broken new ground in food distribution systems and innovative social enterprise in Australia. It's served as a source of inspiration to affiliated and like-minded enterprises emerging in the past few years. Now he's working with Emma Cade on the FoodConnect Foundation, which will facilitate the local food hub. He loves his blended family of four children and is passionate about micro-food enterprises that produce beer, butter, and artisan bread. So on today's podcast, we'll discuss Rob and Emma Kate's journeys in leading a variety of social enterprises and non-profit foundations and the lessons they've learned along the way. We'll get their advice about getting projects off the ground alongside policy changes they believe would be beneficial for both the social enterprise and food sectors. And we'll hear some great insights and tips from them about sustaining community-driven initiatives. Rob and Emma Kate, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks. Yeah, well, thanks, Tom. Thanks for inviting us. It's a nice intro. It's, you've done a lot of great things. I'm excited about getting this started. So to start things off, could you please share a little bit about your backgrounds and what led you down the path of social enterprise and a passion about sustainable food systems? <laughs> <laughs> Who will kick off? You go first. Okay, well, it was a bit accidental for me, the whole social enterprise thing. Um, when I started uh, GeeWiz Car Share back in 2006, 
it was just started as a normal proprietary limited business with an environmental focus. But the term social enterprise didn't really enter my lexicon until I met Rob mm-hmm. a couple of years later. And that's when I sort of threw myself into the deep end with the, you know, the whole theory of change stuff and um, measuring impact yep. and all those amazing things that you get into when you start calling yourself a social enterprise and you have to prove that you're a social enterprise. Yep. So, so that's pretty much how I got into it. Great. Yeah, mm. what about you? yeah mine's similar. I've, I've... It was uh, an accidental journey, you know, I was really just out there thinking about how could an alternative food system, or how could we create a new food system, mm. in the word, words of Buckminster Fuller, that um, made the existing food system obsolete. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, when I went through that uh, horrible time of homelessness after losing the farm and, mm. and, and wandering around in Tasmania, I was thinking through what were the real sort of, what would be the key things, you know, yeah. that would make it wonderful to be a farmer um, mm. and they come around to you know the concept that uh, that um, around community supported agriculture yep. and, and then how would that work in the Australian concept so when I started Food Connect it was completely accidental that it was a social enterprise it wasn't until I think 2007 that SVA contacted me and said uh, you know hey listen we're interested in supporting social enterprise and you are one and yep. I you know, went really? Is that what I <laughs> So very much an accidental thing, but uh, but, but I mean probably um, you know all businesses should be social enterprises. Mm. You know they should have a, a social and environmental conscience. Yep. They should they should internalise all of those direct social and environmental impacts. That, yep. um, uh, but of course that's that's why social enterprises exist to try and amend those sort of um, the malaise of, of the of the market driven business world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very interesting stories. So, in your roles at Food Connect and the Food Connect Foundation, what projects and work are you both involved in? Yeah, well, currently at the moment, um, as when you popped in, we're on a quite a, um, a, a big leap at the moment mm. in um, creating this food hub. We've been trialling it for four years. We've had five or six subtenants over the last four or five years who have subtenanted, I suppose, with us. Yep. And um, we brought to Amer- from America last year an expert in food hub mm-hmm. um, establishment, and he did an amazing talk last year. And there was quite a lot of people in the room, uh, friends of Food Connect, board members, local councillors, yep. and other people who really got excited by this idea. So we knew, we, we purposely brought, Anthony Flacavento was his name, we mm-hmm. purposely brought him over to get this idea on the ground. Like, yep to give us a way of making something um, that we've been practicing concrete and mm-hmm. we could re- really get some sort of built some mobilization around that idea yeah so that's our you know that's probably our work for the next 10 years mm. because inside of that is um, very different from so we haven't spoken about the continuum of social enterprises you know one end of social enterprise spectrum is social enterprises that are pretty much bog standard business but they dedicate a percentage of their profits towards you know, Whatever it is, yeah, yeah, water, you know, I mean, water sanitation, yeah, yeah, all those sort of mm-hmm. things. There, but their business isn't really any different from any other business yeah. out there. Yeah. And then at the other end of the continuum or spectrum, you've got businesses that are social enterprises that are really involved in systemic change. Yeah, you know, yeah. And so one end you've got businesses that are all about prevention. The other yeah. end you've got businesses that are all around the cure. Yeah, you know, yeah. putting band aids on things, but mm-hmm. not really shifting their focus to upstream. Well, how can we actually prevent these yes. things happening in the first yeah. place? So our enterprise is at that end. So for us, there's a whole lot in that around, you know, governance. Um, Emma and I talk about this a lot. We've got the three sort of big issues in the world that need to be confronted. Mm. Uh, decoupling from a fossil fuel-based 
system, yep. you know, and energy to a large extent with solar and wind has started yep. to decouple. Mm. Um, transport, which is another big baddie, yep. has started to decouple with electric cars and certainly efficient motors. Yep. Food and agriculture, on the, on the other hand, is intrinsically tied mm. to it. So much so that it's probably going to contribute around about 70% of all industries. Food and agriculture will contribute 70% mm. of the, the bad stuff. In the and that's way. up from 30%. That's up from 30%. Mm. Because, so it's now seen well, as yeah. a rather large system that's doing a lot of harm, socially, yeah. you know, environmental, human health, you can yeah. whatever you want to do. And then the other two big issues that we see, well, yeah, there's, there's decoupling from fossil fuels, there's the inequity yep. in the whole world, whether it's gender or, yep. or money. And then the third one, which is the big issue confronting all of humanity, is how do we all get along? How do we mm. all coexist on this planet? Yep. Um, and the Food Hub is trying to wrap itself around those three big issues yep. in a small way. Here in Salisbury, so it's a place-based... Um, it's a place-based response to a worldwide problem. So, mm. And it's, it's just showing what one small community could possibly achieve uh, against those systemic goals, those systemic issues. And it might not fit for other communities, but it's just, we, we, we treat it as a demonstration project, mm -hmm. basically. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Um, how, can we, how can we do this? It's not to make money, it's to actually address those systemic issues. Mm -hmm. um, and a community in New Zealand or Indonesia might address it in a completely different way because every geographical space is unique to itself mm. and it requires different types of responses Absolutely. Um, and you know if you take it from the strengths-based approach um, a community should be looking at what they're really good at mm. and what they're strong in yep. in order to address those systemic issues and yep. so they've all got very um, accessible tools at hand to mm. be able to do that yep. yeah. yeah fantastic yeah. our work is so challenging because Food is a basic human right, but at mm -hmm. the moment it's treated really like a commodity. And in the Australian context, which yep. is the most difficult market in the world in terms of food because of the consolidation of the two supermarkets yep. and the the down-down, you know, the hand, um, the down-down prices are down. Mm -hmm. It know, conditions it, the market. It's conditioned the market to accept that price, the food is just, you know, something we take yeah. for granted. Yep. Yep. Um, so we're, we're, we're establishing this food hub to... Reduce some of those barriers for all the food businesses, ethical food businesses yep. want to join us on this journey. And so far, there's nine businesses that are co-locating with us at the moment. Yep. And uh, having a true price-based system mm. to take out the conditions that the market set around for. Yep. Yep. So that's from our farmers right through to our customers. So they understand that this is a system that's divorced from market-based pricing mechanisms. It's all around the true cost of food. It's going to be quite a challenge and to bring investors, impact investors on board mm -hmm. in that journey yeah. because food and agriculture is the biggest lump on the planet that is creating a lot of uh, those ill effects. Absolutely. Then um, to bring investors on board cognizant that this is an enterprise that's addressing system-wide issues, not just band-aids mm. down the bottom, yeah. mm. is, uh, is one of our, well it has been, it's been our largest task in the 13 years that we've been going. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's certainly a lot of challenges there for you mm. both to be dealing with. Mm. So from your experience in running this range of, of yeah. organisations, community-driven initiatives, what do you believe are those fundamental ingredients for long-term success? Um. Just an easy question for you. People getting over themselves, <laughs> including me. Yeah. I start with me because I think, you know, it's a human issue. It's a, something that we all battle with. Yep. And, you know, we're still, you know, Rob and I, we, we do our best to live a frugal life and walk the talk. Mm. Um, but, you know, we have kids that, uh, you know, succumb to peer group pressure and 
have to still fit into mainstream yeah. somehow and not not be um, you know ostracized on the edges of society mm. but you know having said that they are pretty proud of their differences as well so I think yeah one of the biggest issues it, it isn't money it isn't resources it isn't you know education of customers I, I do believe that you know the market is enough educated enough out there now to know the right thing to do yeah. um, I think the biggest challenge is ourselves mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, so. very interesting mm. yeah I think uh, for, for me it's been you know when I had that epiphany and losing the farm or yeah. even through the last phases those last two years of drought and yeah. dealing with that there was there was a group of us farmers who were already aware that our milk was going down we were all organic farmers our milk was being sold conventionally mm -hmm. into coals well we we also didn't have much of an idea yeah. of what our milk ended up, the end product it was, or who drank it, or sure. where it went, yep. you know, whether it ended up as dried milk in China yep. or fresh milk just down the road. Mm. So through those sort of um, those last couple of years and then the, the years after losing the farm, thinking through, well, you know, what can we do to address, you know, these sort of things that didn't make us excited about being in the food and agricultural system. Yeah. Um, having that sense of purpose has, has, has been always the thing that's kept me going. Mm. You, know, you can mm. you can have obviously you know, dealing as Emma was saying, you know, dealing with whether it's the lack of money or the lack of customer support or or in the early days in particular, yeah, the lack of awareness that that food and agriculture was was a really serious issue sure. as a social enterprise. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, then uh, you can really sometimes be think you know, well, why don't we just give up? You know, mm. No one's really ready for this, no one's really interested. Yeah. You know, they're all interested in just sort of doing issues-based social enterprises. Yeah. But, you know, that sense of purpose, that sense of addressing things at the systems level is, is a, you know, a huge challenge, but mm. also an exciting challenge. And um, even when the kids, you know, they abuse us from time to time for, you know, whatever it is, <laughs> you know, um, not yeah. doing things that not being more normal. mainstream kids, <laughs> yeah. not being normal. Um, you know, I say, well, you know, I say, well, that's endemic mm. of the system that you live in. And yeah. I'll be really forceful that that's why we do Food Connect. And yeah. then they suddenly yeah. go, oh, gee, okay. Mm. So there's a real sense of purpose, why Excellent. we're here, what we're doing, um, even though it's bloody hard. Yeah, fantastic. So what advice would you give then to someone who's keen to get a purpose-driven organisation off the ground? I think don't do it alone. Mm. I think, um, you know, the joy in sharing mm. your vision is worth more than just you know, trying to change the world on your own. So I yeah. think the more people you can mm. gather around you to, mm. um, to, even if it's just, you know, a shoulder to yep. lean on, yeah. they don't have to have specific skills. But yeah, I think there's, it's a really great way to test out your capacity for teamwork, your capacity mm. for leadership, yep. your ability to be humble. Um, you know, it's, it's, mm. it teaches a lot about yourself going into business. Mm. It's, a, it's a great um, life learner. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's that is the journey, you know. Um, that sometimes the purpose can be secondary to the yeah. the life journey that mm. you're undertaking. So that's right. <laughs> it's a um, it, it's a side benefit. is is a personal journey that yeah. makes you a much better person as a result mm. of it. Mm. Yeah. But for me, it would be um, first of all, I, my suggestion would be you look for something that you have had experience of. Mm. You know. So. And a lot of social enterprise, social entrepreneurs do have, you know, whether yep. it's their brother being disabled yep. or whatever that's driven them down a pathway. So they've got this real close, Personal. experiential sure. place yep. that they want to address, you know, mm. something that's that's, that's um, significantly lacking, mm. um, whether it's a social justice issue or, or whatever. 
Um, so once you've identified, yes, that this is something I can really see myself putting a lot of effort into, then once you put the effort into, the community will come around you to support mm. you in that journey. Yep. But then the, the, the tricky bit is having your, your intuition alive to work with people who you can really see are going to be of great benefit and obviously rejecting the advice from other people who come on board sure. and say, and, and, and who have no experience, you know, maybe they come from a corporate yep. culture or maybe come from somewhere else mm. and, um, and your ego gravitates towards yep. being, you know, listened to by them or getting advice from them. Mm. Sometimes you've really got to have that antenna tuned yep. so that you, you know, respectfully say, listen, I'm not going to take on board yep. that advice. This is what I really, my gut is really telling me. Mm. And then it's literally this, this, uh, follow the energy, you know, yep. journey, you know, yep. you're obviously clear about where you want to go, yep. how you get there. You know, it's going to be lots of twists and turns mm. and down dead ends. Yep. Um, and that's the social entrepreneur's task is to stay sort of pretty in the moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and take on board those learnings and, uh, and backtrack yeah. where necessary. And, uh, and, and yeah. I mean, this all comes from experience too, you know. We've, we've experienced <clears throat> all of those dead ends ourselves yep. many times over. Yep. And you get to that dead end you think, why didn't I listen to my gut again, yeah, yep. you mm. know. And we still do it, don't we? On a week-to-week -week basis, mm. we're constantly questioning is this really worth our time, what mm. we're doing here? Like saying yes to an interview, is that really going to... Well, it's true, yeah. right? Well, is it really... Yeah, and, and we are yes people, Robert and I. We do suffer a bit of the being yes people yeah. and being overly generous with our time mm. um, and having those issues about boundaries, mm. I guess, mm. um, have been tested mm. over the years. We're getting a lot better at discerning things. Yeah. Um, and... We also like to, you know, attribute a big portion of our time to assisting other entrepreneurs, mm. you know, with mentoring or, you know, phone yep. calls or Skypes or emails <clears throat> or students yeah. coming in to do a research project. We yep. give a lot of time to them too. Yeah, so, excellent. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's but, but at the almost. same time, <laughs> we do have to be careful yeah. you know, that we're not drifting. <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, but I think too, um, you know, you might even get to this question later, but um, if you haven't, I'm going to. Pop it in there now, but it is mandatory that um, that anyone who enters this space, particularly if they're entering the space down at the cure end, yeah. you know, and putting band aids sure. on an issue, yeah. um, they need to be really cognizant that there's a system that that is a part of, yeah. and they need to be a part of that ecosystem. Sure, you know, the new buzzword is is build the ecosystem. Yeah, um, and even if they don't really aren't aware of the systemic prevention to the thing that they're curing, mm. that they join a part of the ecosystem, they build a part of the ecosystem, yep. whether it's getting out and doing interviews or yep. going to... Joining you know, QSEC. Yeah, jo joining the, those groups. They will someday, they will someday much more aware of the issue, the systemic mm. issue that they're a part of. Yep. You know, private property might be the biggest issue, you know, probably is, is, it is systemically a yep. very, very large issue. Not a lot mm. of people are addressing it. Yep. So for those down the other end there, they need to be really aware of... Um, I think that came up um, with Orange Sky Laundry um, recently, actually, the guys that were providing, you know, laundry services to the homeless. And there are a few homelessness organisations around Brisbane who, you know, pretty publicly criticise them for just addressing, sure. you know, symptoms of a problem and mm. getting a lot of money and a lot of attention and a lot of resources yeah. because of this, you know, very well-marketed schmick operation. Mm. But they've, they've really responded to that challenge mm. in a really positive way yeah. Um, yeah. and I think that's one good example that of how, example. Yeah. you know, mm. a social enterprise 
most social enterprises these days are started by young, enthusiastic people yeah. fresh out of school or university with yeah. a great idea. And, you know, it mm. takes a little while for that sort of broader knowledge to kind of filter mm. through. Yeah. Um, and, and that's <clears throat> sort of the role, I think, of um, organisations like Queensland Social Enterprise, the Council um, for Social Enterprises, as well as more established social enterprises, leaders of so more established social enterprises like Food Connect, mm -hmm. is to be available to those younger social entrepreneurs sure. yeah. when they do hit a wall. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's important to build the... Um, it's build the size of the pie, yep. not just your portion Ish. of the pie. Sure. Yeah. You know, that, because that's systemic of the competitive culture yep. in the business world, whereas really there's bucket loads of abundance. You know, mm. you know there's so many issues that need addressing. Yes. You don't need to sort of say, hey, hang on, that's my issue. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> yeah, you know, definitely. It's, it's sharing the workload mm. um, and looking at the system that's causing that and saying, oh, we can address this part of the system, we can yep. address that other part of the system. That's that collaborative you know, building a collaboration of enterprises mm. that are addressing a problem like QSEC have done yeah. um, around policy. Sure. Know? So, and obviously me being a farmer, I always harken back to the days, the early days of organic farmers. You know, mm. they, were, they were a pretty uh, angry mob. You know, they were, they were fiercely organic, mm. even though they'd been ostracised by society, ridiculed, yeah. all of that sort of stuff. And that made them into pretty hard individuals. Yeah, sure. And then when the movement started to get a bit of a run on, all sorts of great things happened and those farmers started to get a little bit, you know, hey, hang on. This is sort of, um, yeah, they got a bit left behind because they sort of couldn't get out of their old ways. Mm. And now it's become an industry and it's completely lost all sorts of aspiration. You know, it doesn't address climate change. It doesn't address uh, sequestration in the carbon. It doesn't address fundamental issues in the whole food system. Mm. And a lot of those older farmers weren't there to actually say, hey, hang on. You've lost sight of the main objective here. Yeah. Organics is about so much more mm. than just a sort of than just not using chemicals. Yeah. It's about yeah. so much more. So we've lost a lot of ground now mm. that the organic system is basically by being diluted. Yeah. Um, that it actually has no real relevance to a lot of farmers, mm. um, the, particularly the farmers that we deal with and the system wide yeah. issues that we're trying to deal with. So I often see that you know through the seventies and eighties those those amazing farmers you know to be able to wear that ridicule and that ostracisation by community yep. um, uh, that they sort of, you know, left. Sure. Yeah, left the, the scene. There's certainly a lot of experience here and <laughs> you're showing some great insights. Very, very interesting. So you mentioned policy before. Mm. From that policy perspective then, what do you believe needs to be done by government mm. to help foster and support an innovative social enterprise sector? Well, I think the first thing is a legal structure would be handy. At the moment in Australia, all you have available as a as um, a startup business is the you know proprietary limited privately owned model or yep. a not for profit. Mm. Um, having said that, the cooperative model is starting to gain a lot more traction these days, mm. um, which is really exciting. But yeah, we've always been interested in the dynamic between you know mission driven businesses and being able to return some of the profit back to. <clears throat> you know, a portion of the profit back to investors, but also most of the profit back into the mission. Sure. Um, but there's no mechanism legally to do that in Australia mm. right now. So that's one area of policy that could do with a little bit of a kick along. Yep. What else do you reckon? Well, yeah, there needs to be a Minister for Food and Agriculture. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and under that comes health and, yeah. you know, all of those subsets, mm. the environment, yep. a whole bunch of... In our sector. Yeah. In our sector. But in the social enterprise sector... You know, the current uh, lobbying that's done at the, at the 
in the whether it's for the Business Council of Australia or the the, the, the body that represents the small businesses, mm. if government policy started to measure all of their externalities, you know, so what is you know, in a particular instance, you know, what are the externalities, the social impacts, and the um, and the environmental impacts, the negative externalities mm. that are being put into Australia's health system, for yep. instance, or yep. through the processing of you know through the highly marketing and very very cheap processed food mm. industry. Mm. What is the fossil fuel use? If they measured all of those sort of things and said, okay, you know, you're going to be penalised from now on, and we're going to because at the moment social enterprise have to prove our impact, sure. and we put a lot of money into that and mm. a lot of effort, a lot of time, and that's all well and good. But meanwhile, the rest of society or the rest of business doesn't have to do anything. You know, yep. they just socialise those costs, and mm. no one counts it. And uh, yeah, so uh, that would if if that was done, if those businesses were all there was some sort of broad measure that they were measured on their negative mm. impacts mm. Um, that would make that would make social enterprises really come to the fore yeah and we're seeing that in the US with the B Corp certification process which we're currently going through now yeah <laughs> you know it, but it's been adopted state by state um, yeah, as legislation yes yeah as legislation yeah. so that's that is starting to happen internationally mm. Australia's usually you know 10 years behind everyone else yeah. so hopefully yeah. it'll catch on eventually mm. 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 But that will certainly, I mean, we're, we're only doing it because we see it, we, we know who we are and we know our impact and our customers know our impact, yeah. but we do want to raise the profile of, you know, local food in our region yeah. and we want to be able to expand our offerings to, you know, institutions yeah. um, and in order to do that we need to be able to sort of say, well, you know, this is a really good reason why yeah. you should use Food Connect yeah. to procure your food from. Yeah. Um, look at the B Corp certification. It's you know it's got a lot of credibility. Mm. And it's very difficult to yeah. pass the test, um, and you know it's something that as a as a buyer you can actually hang your hat on. You could say, well, look, you should you should buy. Yeah. You, you should send your old person to this aged care facility because mm. we buy food from Food Connect, which is a B Corp. Yeah. Mm. Um, that's you know further value, you know more value for your dollar. Yeah. yeah sort of absolutely. Thing. So, yeah. so hopefully we will see a little mm. bit of movement there. Mm. I mean, there's really positive things going on though. Obviously, Victorian government has got a social procurement strategy. Yeah. Which um, came about obviously, a month or two ago now. Yeah, a month or two mm. ago. Melbourne um, City Council had being strong supporters of social enterprise and very and in particular very strong supporters around local food and addressing mm. some of those system-wide failures yep. where Victoria is going to source its food from and yep. looking at specific food growing regions. Mm. So Victoria in, in a lot of ways is, is, is leading the space in, from a policy point of view yep. um, and we are seeing a bit of shifting up here. Mm. Um, uh, for instance, Queensland hasn't signed on to the National Cooperative Laws uh, which will allow the use of um, CCUs, yep. cooperative capital units. They're a, you know, a, they're a financial instrument just like the share market uses mm. that cooperatives in Queensland could really, really use. And yep. you'd see a lot more cooperatives come into the space. But mm. at the moment, uh, we just registered uh, um, two weeks ago uh, a, a new cooperative, the first ever impact investment cooperative um, in Australia, possibly even the world. But it had to be registered in Victoria. Because they embrace, uh, well, they've legislated mm. the use of CCUs mm. as a as a dividend um, tool for investors to come into that space to buy into around food and ag. So um, there's a lot of room to move, but there is, particularly you know, with social traders and TDI and a few mm. of those other organisations yep. that have been building this ecosystem, this yep. whole system around business, how can business, yep. you know, deliver positive impact. Mm. Um, there's been some great 
great strides in the last five years in particular. We're starting to see now some policy changes, which is great. Excellent. Mm. So when we look at particular initiatives on the ground, other people mm. like yourselves who are just out there and doing things, mm. which are the ones that you find particularly inspiring, whether it be in Queensland or around Australia or mm. overseas? I, I sort of look at, um, for me personally, I, I love place-based solutions. Yep. So I look at examples um, around the world for that and um, there's a fantastic organisation in Buffalo in the US which is a really poor city in New York and um, they've done amazing things in terms of, from a community development point mm. of view, create green businesses um, for long-term unemployed people to break that cycle of poverty, yep. um, to get affordable housing, not just like any old housing, but housing that's been what they call in the US weatherized, mm. which is, <laughs> you know, putting insulation in to reduce oh. their power bills, mm. um, putting solar on, you know. Yep. Um, they've turned vacant lots that were just sitting there as, um, you know, rubbish dumps into community gardens. Mm. Um, and it's all done with the power of community and a motivated governor <clears> who is pretty much shamed into um, action after the 2008 financial crisis. Mm -hmm. So that's one place. Um, locally, I think Nanda Co-op inspires me because they mm. embrace all the principles of cooperativism. Mm. Sandbag community organisation are doing some great things, not just in, the, in terms of from a business perspective, but they've also seeded a number of social enterprises, Seed being yeah. one yeah. Um, that Steve uh, Williams headed up and their nursery and cafe, which has been recently been launched. So I, I really, I, I mean, it's slow and it's small, but I think that's the key to future resilience mm. yeah. is slow and small solutions. Mm. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's where people feel most empowered. Yeah when they see their neighbours making changes, yep. where they see their local community organisation really doing innovative things mm. with no, not many resources. Yep. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Mm. I don't know about you, Rob. My, my inspiration is um, there's many touch points to what I want to sort of exemplify in this social enterprise, you know, whether it's around democratic ownership. Yep. So, um, you know, looking at some of the... Um, Modrigon, uh, which you wouldn't class as a, as a, or it is a social enterprise, mm -hmm. the largest social enterprise in the world, the cooperative in the Basque region of Spain, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, to Ricardo Semler's work, to um, the, uh, the open book mob, you know, um, yeah. the employee ownership movement in America, mm -hmm. you know, which has promoted a lot of sort of that equity, having employee equity, yeah. um, right through to the food-based businesses. Um, open Food Network comes to mind, down mm -hmm. in, based in Melbourne, you know, yeah. uh, building a, a food... Yeah, open source platform that's Excellent. now got contracts in France and Germany and mm. US and, 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 and is free for use in Australia you yep. know, for all farmers to build the capacity of farmers to sell direct here mm. in Australia to uh, our own, you know, they probably don't see themselves as a social enterprise, but uh, rock coat, mm. um, you know, paint. They just, they do these earthen, you know, earth-based paints and, um, and sort of, yeah, low VOC, um, uh, Bob and uh, Bob Cameron. Um, and they built that up from just this little thing in a shed to mm. now they've got a, a massive sort of exemplary business down on the Gold Coast, which is, mm. you know, so all the staff supplied all our own food and, you know, all, yep. no waste goes off-site to all these amazing things. And right. it's, a, it's a rather large industry, mm. or industrial site yep. that they built, uh, as well as their one up again, Dina. Um, uh, mm. 
Yeah, so there's, uh, I was going to mention uh, Nunda, uh, Nunda Cooperative. Um, you like Patagonia too. Oh, Patagonia, oh yeah, yeah. Elon Chana mm. is one of my, you know, heroes. You know, just the way yeah. he's built a brand mm. around an image. Yep. Around just pure quality. Fascinating You know, the, the way, and, and his progression over, over the years, realised, you know, I was, I mean, I mean, one of the things where he realised that, um, that the, the plastic um, that was being used, because for many years they said we're proud of recycling all this plastic and turn it into coats. Yeah. And then years later, you know, through the science, saying, well, actually, it doesn't biodegrade, it doesn't mm. break down ever. Yeah. Um, so then they went into this total clothing reuse, you know, send all your clothing back, we'll repair it. Yeah. Uh, you know, just, just fantastic. And the, the great thing about Patagonia, which I'd love for Food Connect to have someday, but I think something like in the really bad years for business globally, they grew thirty percent or some some mm. phenomenal amount, you know, when yeah. they were take, when they were changing all their policies yeah. um, to really radical radical social enterprise, mm. and now they're in food. Yeah, it's amazing. He's yeah. got a great book called "Let My People Go Surfing," yeah. 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 which I love. Yeah, I it's, it's a like very inspiring read. Yes, <laughs> it's mandatory reading for all the staff here. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. yeah, there's all there's about five books that all staff have to read. Mm. You know, whether it's yeah. Uh, the seven day weekend, or, pat, or let my people go surfing, to uh, the starfish and the spider. I don't know if you've read that. The starfish no, and the spider. So it's about decentralised leadership. Mm. Yeah. So it's addressing this leaderless organisations. Yeah. The systemic issue of not empowerment of everyone to have their own business to be to, to be a part of a movement. Mm. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. There's a few. There's a few good books there. Mm. When I came in, guys, you had the whiteboard. The whiteboard's behind me. It's covered in, in, in you know, arrows and, and words, and, and you're obviously strategizing a lot. Do you have any particular business or design tools that you guys use to help? Well, one, measure impact, or two, mm. just for the daily planning of the things that you run. Um, I've used the business model canvas in the past. That's kind of a really good tool just to help you really clarify the different moving pieces in a business if you're you know in in one sheet I'm a bit of a, a visual person at times mm. Um, mm. so that that's helped over the years one of the tools that I will always swear by is communication mm. <laughs> especially when you've got more than a few staff we're at 2025 20, now and communication is pretty Key. So mm. finding ways to be able to communicate without spending endless hours in meetings is um, is good. So we're testing out a few tools at the moment, like mm. um, Lumio. Mm. Yeah. That's sort of you know we've we've done mind mapping in the past, haven't we? We've used yeah. online mind mapping tools. Mm. I don't know about Rob likes whiteboards. He loves blackboards. blackboards. Yeah. Blackboards, yeah. Um, so I'm a blackboard man. Um, <laughs> and uh, and whatever tool floats your boat. Yeah. Know? Because yeah. there are so many tools out there, yeah. and I think you know, obviously, the, the business model canvas is great for roughly roughing out something or other yeah. and sharing it with all and having everyone participate in that sure. process. Yeah. You know, it's a quick snapshot, and yeah. I found it incredibly useful when Emma has you know has brought something up to me. Mm. Um, and certainly in the early days when we set up the Food Connect Foundation, we did we used the business model canvas and the um, whatever the next thing is where you write it all down. Oh, yeah. Um, that bit for about seven sort of things that we needed to address in southeast Queensland yep. and the food system. Uh, yeah, but as Emma said, uh, the the tool of rich and deep communi communication, putting time aside to have those those chats with people, yep. solve a lot of you know they they can preempt I suppose. Yep. Um, 
but I'm I'm more a strategist on the run, and I need that blackboard to sort of to keep me reined in. Sure. Otherwise, yep. I can say yes too many times to too many things, mm. and you're just sort of you're wondering where your day's gone. Yeah. And, yep. uh, um, and as we're seeing here, I'm quite a large master design that we're doing at the moment. If we don't keep ourselves yeah in check, things change very quickly. Mm. Yeah. Um, day to day, so it's sort of it's mm. good to have both. A plan, but also be flexible enough sure. to just say that plan is just not going to cut it. Yeah, we yeah. need to start again. Mm, yeah, so I think you know being flexible and adaptable is a pretty key mm. quality. Mm. I think that's a yeah. fantastic note to leave it on, guys. Yeah, I <laughs> oh, really, really appreciate both of your time very much and the excellent insights you've shared. So thanks so much. Tom, right, Tom. Yeah, lovely. You. Thanks, thanks for interviewing us, mate. And good work. Thank All you. the best with your getting this out and going. We need more stories. Uh, yeah. I love listening to the, the things you've done so far. Great. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below. And remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page, and Twitter.